So this morning, Tammy and I are going to be kind of tag team preaching, so you get two for the price of one, uh, which is worth your admission fee in itself. So, um, but we're, we're in the midst of a series, we're week three into a teaching series, which coincides uh, with the season of Lent. Uh, if Lent is a, a new thing to you, simply put, it's a period of 40 days leading up to Easter, where we, we take time to pray, reflect, maybe fast, and just remove some of the distractions in our lives uh, to make room to experience more of God's presence. Uh, we, said, we said a few weeks ago uh, uh, that the, you know, the thing that distinguishes us as God's people on the earth is God's presence. You know, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not how clever we are. It's, it's not how slick we can make things. It's not a creative marketing campaign. The thing that distinguishes God's people is God's presence and God's presence amongst us. And you've heard us say lots and lots of times that the, the kind of our, the pathway to our discipleship, the, our apprenticeship to Jesus starts with being with Jesus, being in his presence, abiding in him, enjoying his presence, being a people who encounter, engage with him. We want to be a people of his presence. And, you know, we can experience God's presence in, in lots of different ways. <laughs> Maybe for some of you, as you read the scriptures, and you, as you open up the scriptures and you read a particular portion of the scriptures, something just becomes alive to you. It's like God breathes on those words, and you encounter more, more of him as you, as you read and study the scriptures. For some of us, it might be in a place of prayer. Uh, and worship. On, on Friday night, we gathered here, uh, just a small remnant of us, um, just to pray and worship and, and just again encounter more of God's presence. That, that, you know, one of the ways that we worship in the vineyard is that we, the kind of the songs we sing and the melodies we play lead us to a place of encounter. That we, our expectation when we worship is, is we're going to encounter God. We're going to experience his presence. Another and perhaps more uh, neglected way we can experience God's presence is through our engagement with this thing we call communion. It's an age-old practice of the church instituted by Jesus. Communion or the Eucharist or the, the breaking of bread or the Lord's Supper, you know, we have lots of different names for it. Uh, but it is one of the ways that we can experience his presence, that as we come to the table and we receive the bread and the cup, not only are we taking a step of obedience, because Jesus told us to do it, but we're also creating a place of encounter, that we can encounter the Lord. And so over this season of Lent, we've been exploring what it means to encounter Jesus as we come to the table of communion, as we come and partake in these elements together. Right at the start of this series, we, we looked at this idea of um, communion helps, helps us to encounter because this is this invitation to both taste and see the goodness of God in our lives. That we, we ultimately depend on him for everything. You know, some of us might be in this dry and parched land, uh, you know, suffering, in pain, uh, in need of healing. We, we may have all these different things going on in our lives. And in the midst of that, communion reminds us that he is the source, 
that he is the one who can nourish us. He is the one who can truly quench our thirst. Second one being Pepsi. Um, This week, we're thinking about what does it mean to experience and receive spiritual renewal as we come to the table. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, and I'm just going to read the first few verses. It says, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. When we, when we gather around the table, one of the things that the Spirit of God seeks to do is to renew and refresh us through these sacraments. Uh, and so as we engage in communion, as we engage in, we, we're engaging in his renewing presence uh, in our lives at the table. As the psalmist instructs, we're meant to look to the benefits of his presence. There's benefits to be had when we're in his presence. And we find forgiveness of sin, we find healing, uh, we find his redeeming power at work. It takes this step. Uh, that we need to take into his presence, the benefits of his presence. And communion can, you know, it can mean lots of different things. And, you know, one of the things that this whole teaching series has showed us is that communion is this multifaceted experience. One of the things that communion does is, is it retells the story of the redemptive work of God. And um, it reminds us of where we are heading Uh, It's a foretaste of of another meal to come. Actually, a feast that's to come, the wedding feast of the Lamb, a time when the fullness of God's kingdom will fully invade the earth. Communion is like a signpost to where the story is heading, where where we think this is going. And, you know, we're going to unpack that in a few weeks' time, so I won't steal Paul Veal's thunder. Um... But not only can communion help us to look forward, but it also helps us to to look back. That communion is an act of remembrance, remembrance of what Christ has done. We, we, We take time to remember what he's done for us. Um, If you want to flick to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, we're going to stick around in this passage a little bit this morning. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and, he, and he's instructing them about this, this sacrament, this act of communion. So verse 23 says, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of of me. As we partake in these elements, as we take the bread and we take the cup, we do so in remembrance. We remember what Christ has done. We recall the the sacrifice he has made. The Greek word that Paul uses uh, in this this passage um, uh, that we translate remembrance is amanesis, which is to remember. Many biblical scholars would say that the English word remember, which, you know, is to you know, to recall or to, to think back on. We have that kind of connotation with our word remember. But many Bible scholars say that that doesn't fully capture what this word amnesis is saying. The root meaning of this word is, is really the opposite to something being dismembered. Uh, it could literally be trans- translated to be remembered. Um, which is this idea of something being joined back together after a dismemberment. You know, so if, you know, if you're like me, um, to understand that in a language you understand, then um, if you like Star Wars, you know, someone always gets their arm chopped off. Now, that's a, that's a dismemberment, okay? And, and so this, this word is about being remembered, that arm being sewn back on. Just the wrong way. No, um, but uh, that arm being sewed back on, it's being re-remembered. As we come to the table, not only do we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross in the sense of recalling his sacrifice for us, reminding ourselves of his death, but actually something far more profound is, is, taking, is taking place. That just as the bread of communion is broken to symbolize Jesus' broken body, so too could the, the beatings and the whippings and the tearing of flesh, those things that took place, could be described as a dismembering. And that dismembering means that you and I can be remembered to him, that we can be joined to him, become one with him, not just in that initial experience of salvation, but in an ongoing way. In celebrating the Lord at the Lord's table, we are effectively inviting Jesus to dismember us from the false things that we become attached to, the things that distract us, pull us down, what the writer of Hebrews calls the sin that so easily entangles. And and as we let go of those sinful, destructive patterns which draw us away from him, as as we partake in these elements, there's this idea that we become freshly joined to him. We become remembered to Christ. And it's in that remembering that we find this sense of spiritual renewal, that we become alive again to him. That we become the ones whose sin is forgiven, whose, whose, whose 
uh, their diseases are healed. We're the ones who are redeemed from the pit. You know, we're the ones who are crowned with his love and compassion. We're the ones whose desires are satisfied and are renewed with the strengths like eagles. It's in that remembering that we are renewed, that we experience his presence in a renewing sense, that he, re- he renews us. And so in many ways, as we come to the table this morning, as we partake in those elements again, we're learning to realign ourselves uh, with what God has done. But also, as we experience that presence of God through being remembered, we also experience his, his presence through the refreshing. The Bible tells us in Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. When we invite God's presence into our lives, we anticipate something will happen. Well, my hope is, is that we have that anticipation. My hope is that we anticipate there will be some exchange, not just a sense of, I'm going to take this communion because it means that I can mentally acknowledge I've done something I've been told to do. It's beyond that mental acknowledgement. And, we, and we, we, we have labored the point over the past few weeks about being in his presence and coming to the table to experience him and that he is the one who refreshes us. But as we draw near to God, he draws near to us. James 4 says that, and the fruit of his presence is the strengthening of our hearts, its refreshments. And I'm going to read that verse again from, from 1, 1 Corinthians For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So we break the bread and, and we dip it in the cup. That is what communion together means. But the root here of the word drink, it, it, it actually is the verse pino. And it means literally to drink. But it also means to figuratively receive into the soul what serves to fresh, refresh and strengthen us. It is to nourish our soul, unto eternal life. So Paul tells us that by partaking of the cup, we're actually asking Jesus to come and refresh our souls. We're asking him to come and nourish us. We're asking him to come and give us what we need unto that eternal life. In Acts 27, Paul was being taken to Rome on a ship. He was going to be standing before Caesar. The boat was in the middle of a storm. Um, they were going to be shipwrecked. It was, it was pretty intense, and they'd lowered the anchors. Um, and so in Acts 27, verses 33 to 36, it says this. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. 
You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. All together... Oh, no, I don't need to read the back. So, sorry, I'm carrying on. <laughs> um, Paul told them that they needed this nourishment. He took the bread. He gave thanks for it. And when he broke it, they began to eat. Now, the word bread here used in this passage, there are several words for bread in the Bible, but the word bread here in this part of the passage is different. It, the word for bread actually means the bread used at the sacred supper, the bread used at the Lord's table. So the word bread that Paul uses here is the same as the word bread that Jesus used when he served his disciples the last supper. And Paul gave thanks and broke the bread. That's exactly how Jesus served the last supper. Um, and, and, and the Greek word break in just to denote they, they're taking communion. So in this middle of for what was then a life and death situation. They were being ravaged. They'd cut the lifeboats away because Paul said if, if they go off in the lifeboats, none of us will survive. He asks them to come and take communion. He's asking them to receive the broken body of Jesus to refresh their soul. They hadn't been eaten, eating for 14 days. They were probably feeling quite ill. <laughs> But Paul is saying, let's take this communion because this will nourish you. This will encourage you. This will strengthen you to your soul for the next part of the journey. He understands that the renewal will come. The refreshing will come in this act of sacrament. And the good news is, is that Jesus invites us to that same act, that same sacrament of refreshment this morning. So at the Lord's table, we receive uh, his renewal through remembering. Uh, we receive his renewal uh, through refreshing. And lastly, we receive his renewal through his power. Through his power. You see, with God's presence always comes his power. And that power always comes with a purpose. It comes with a purpose. Jesus, in Acts 1.8, he said, you will receive power. <laughs> you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. His power is always for a purpose. And as we come to the table, as we receive the elements again, his renewing power sends us back out into the world. It sends us back out into the world to participate in his mission, the mission of God of redeeming all of creation. That's what we're called into. You know, we, we long, don't we, to see Northampton transformed, to see our city transformed, to see God come and move in power, to move in lives, to 
restore families, to restore marriages. We long for him to um, turn the hearts of their children back to the fathers, as the scriptures say, that we long for the fullness of the kingdom to come in this place. And it takes men and women who are empowered by him, who, are, who come and, and be in his presence, receive all that he has for them, and they go. They go again. And here's the thing. We can't give away what we haven't received. We can't give away what we haven't received. We can't give what we haven't got. Can't do it. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Family of Churches, he used to say this. He says, you get to give, to get to give, to get to give, to get to give. That the power we receive is to be given away. And then we come back and we get some more and we give it away again. Now we come into environments like this one and we say, Lord, I just need more of your presence. Will you come and fill me? Touch my life again. And then we go and we give it away. And then we come back next Sunday and we're like, Lord, I just need more of your presence. Will you just come and fill me? Will you fill me to overflowing? And then we go and we give it away. And we come back and we say, Lord, I just need more of your presence. I need more of you in my life. And we go again and we give it away. That's what this is about. That's what this empowerment is about. It's empowerment for a purpose. That we receive his power for a purpose. So let's wrap up. As we come to the table, as we share in these elements again, our expectation is is that we will experience his renewal through remembering. Not just recalling what he's done, but allowing our dismembered selves to be remembered to him. That we would experience his refreshing. That as we drink that there's nourishment, there's strength, there's refreshing for our souls. And that we would experience his renewal through receiving his power. That there's power in his presence. And that power is for a purpose. It's to send us out from here. And so just as we come this morning to partake, there's going to be a few things that the Lord is, is speaking to us about. And for some, you know, I just sense there was a genuine sense of that kind of disjointedness, that dismembering. And it's felt really painful and really physical for you. And God is just inviting you this morning to come. There isn't anything, as we, as we read earlier on this morning, that separates you from his love. You can come to him. And then secondly, when I was reading about Paul, the, the, the shipwreck they were on, for some of you that might be your life. For some of you, you literally feel like you're 
shipwrecked. You're being tossed in the waves. You don't know where Jesus is. Jesus is inviting you to come. Come and drink. Have your soul refreshed. Your soul refreshed for the next part of your journey. And then lastly, for some, you're just, you've been so expectant and, and so desperate for the Lord to move in power in your life. So saying, take that step. Come now. Come to the table and let me fill you. Be excited for everything I've got for you. And for some, this may be the first time you've ever taken communion. Maybe you haven't thought about who Jesus is in your life. And your act this morning as you come to the table is to say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus coming and being Lord of your life. And so practically this morning, as we come to the table, we, we, we break off a piece of bread and we dip it in the cup. On my left here, there is bread and grape juice. And on my, my right here, there is wine and bread. And in the center, there is juice and gluten-free bread. You can use whichever table you want to. But I just remind you that a table has more than one side. We don't have to queue. We don't have to be British in this moment. Um, this one's round, and there's definitely four sides and a few corners there. Communion is a joint act. We don't have to wait in turn. We can come to the table together. You know, maybe you even feel like serving one another, but we're going to just put some music on and just in your time we invite you to come and let the Lord do what he has for you this morning.